and we discussed yesterday in the Ramchal the idea of how self-esteem cripples our potential when we become more concerned with inflating our sense of self by looking at the talents that we have and instead of using them for their purpose tools deposited to us by Hashem we use them as trophies to show off to others or even internally to show off to ourselves when we respond to our talents in that manner we cut ourselves off from truly discovering the transformative power of purpose. If I look at my intelligence as something to be proud of and to build my sense of self from, so my intelligence essentially is a servant to myself, limited and meaningless. If I ever my intelligence is a tool given to me to assist people to gain insight in their lives, every single time I switch on my power of intellect, I engage in a meaningful experience. And more than anything else, more powerful than any other driver, our desire for meaning overcomes all, breaks through every obstacle, and is the power to survive any challenge. The more I'm invested in my purpose, the more power I have. In an interesting, objective, secular study of the power of meaning to literally overcome death, Viktor Frankl, in his work Man's Search for Meaning, developed from his experiences in the Holocaust a form of therapy, psychotherapy, called logotherapy, based on the principle that any emotional suffering can be overcome through meaning. He didn't take the next step, which is, well, that's because that's the way the Rebbeinu Olam fashioned us. So when we're functioning in line with who we are, it works. And therefore we are meaning-seeking machines. Now imagine if we could translate every talent that we have into an accessibility to meaning, to utilize our own talents for the service of the klal, the many. Not only would we become empowered, engaged, transformed, motivated, rescued from the clutches of stupid self-esteem, but more than that, we become connected and in that dual or multiple contribution to one another's well-being, we would create a community of people pooling their resources, sharing their dual talents. And of course, whenever you have the conglomeration of multiple talents, minds, powers, abilities, the result is exponentially greater than when those isolated resources remain isolated.
And Nesivas Shalim brings it into this week's parasha. Atem nitzavim hayoyim kulchem lifnei Hashem elokeichem roshechem shivtechem etc. You're all standing here today, all of you in front of Hashem. The Medrash says the hayoyim this day referred to in the pasuk is Rosh Hashanah, and the Atem says the base of Ram is the acronym for Al Tashlichenu Milfonecho Don't cast us away from you and the v- emphasis over here is Atem Nitzavim Hayoim You all stand How does a person stand up on Rosh Hashanah? We go before the Rebbeinu Shalom and the world's being recreated anew and each one of us is beginning a new life injected into our beings in the deepest possible level is a new lease on life. And at that point in time, the specificities, the particularities of what kind of life force is going to be injected into us, or chalila v'chas, not, is the most powerful and transformative experience we could I suppose, ever comprehend. It's almost as if it's an opportunity to be recreated. But what do we do in order to make sure that the recreation of who we are is a powerful and positive one? Says the verse, Atem nitzavim hayoyim kulchem all of you, when you're all together, when you're all working in sync with one another, then you stand in Din. I'll give you an example, perhaps an illustration of what this means. person works for a major one of the major firms big corporation and once a year the CEO has to answer up for performance he has to present his how the company performed to the board of directors and he has to in order to do so do a lot of legwork is to figure out which departments are performing and which ones are underperforming. And based on his information, he's going to have to make some tough decisions about who stays on in the company next year and who gets laid off. So he goes through the different departments and he notices that in a particular division, sales are very low. So he's going to be a little bit curious as to what's going on. So he brings in the sales team and he'll say, guys, what's going on? And the sales team will have a chance to explain what happened. If they say, listen, you know, we um, we we did all we can, but, you know, just the climate outside is so, so hostile, we weren't able to make as many sales as we have in the past. There's been a major dip in terms of earnings, etc., etc. 
Okay, Sia has to has to consider it. Um, what happens if he brings in the sales team and he like looks at the he looks at the team how it worked and he says, Wait one second, I'm just like looking through the annual documentation. You guys it looks like you like you weren't there for half the time. And you didn't come to the training sessions and you didn't produce the project that I said well, this is a shambles. This is a shambles. So each person has a chance to like defend himself. So the first guy walks in and he says you know you're right. I messed up big time. But I really need the salary. I need the health insurance. I need the schooling allowance. I need it. You gotta give it to me. You gotta give it to me. See, I says, well, why do I want you in my company? You're really just like not doing the job. So he says, no, you don't understand. I want all the stuff. I want the big bucks. One response. Another response would be the guy walks into the CEO and he says, listen, you know, this is just not up to par. The guy says, do you know what? I'll tell you the truth. I had a really bad year. And the reason was because I just wasn't focused. I was pretty distracted. And like in the last week, you know, coming up to this interview, I was thinking, I was thinking about the company. It happens to be that this company that, that, that this guy worked for is... Um, doing amazing stuff in the inner city, like renovating buildings, putting in like a whole lot of infrastructure. And he says, I was actually thinking about what the company does, and like, I feel like such an idiot. I can't believe I had the opportunity to be involved in such an amazing initiative, and I didn't take advantage of it. Do you know what? You're 100% right. I messed up big time. But please, if there's any way that I can be part of this initiative... If you can somehow, and I'll tell you what, the truth is, I've got lots of, I've got, I've got abilities. I haven't been using them, but I've already got them. I can make, I can really, I can, let's make this, let's make this work. I'm ready to make it work. See, so, yeah, sees his enthusiasm, his insight, he knows his sincerity. He says, you're in it for the company, let's give it another chance. We land up in Rosh Hashanah, and we think, whoa, what an amazing opportunity. I can ask for everything I want. <laughs> Why? You just the question is, should you be reemployed or not? So you walk into that like interview and you say, what do you mean? Forget reemployment, now employment. Let's get the cash. <laughs> Let's talk salary. What do you mean talk salary? Who's it to talk salary with? I don't know what you're talking about. Atim Nitzavim Hayoim. If you understand in Hayoim, call him. If you're into it, if you're into the mission, if you're into the the community, you say, listen, I look around me and there is no end of what the Jews need. The Jewish people right now need so much. There's incredible poverty. I don't mean poverty in money. I mean poverty in das. How many Jews of the 13 million around can say Shema? Three million? that what's happening to the Jewish people right now 
the community, this incredible gift of princely people that are in the world, mm-hmm. they're disappearing. In America. Disappearing. Disappearing. And says Reb Aaron Kotler that the heart, the heart of Kalal Yisrael are those that learn Torah. And if the heart <coughs> isn't strong, so it impacts when the heart pumps the blood around the rest of the body, it gets, it gets weakened. So what can I do to save Kalal Yisrael? I can change myself. I can learn Shas. I can generate. I can, when there's so many people that don't have this connection, how do I spill out into the rest of the world? I create a font of knowledge within myself. And then, through the miracle of spiritual connection, every Jew is impacted by that. Every Jew, when I put that in, that's how I protect the Jewish people. That's how I save them. Some people are misled and they think to protect the Jewish people, they have to protect their bodies. You've got to protect their souls. How do you protect their souls? By your deep connection to Hashem. Since you connect to Hashem and you also connect to Him in this incredibly powerful link that keeps every Jew connected to every other Jew. So when you raise your level, when you connect, when you become wiser, when you become better, when you become closer, every single Jew is touched by that. Every single Jew is moved a little bit forward by that. And you think about, whoa, I have this opportunity. And when I sit in here and I learn Yeshiva, I'm not learning for myself. I'm stopping, as Reb Chaim says, when you sit here and you learn Torah, that stops the Jew from Paris intermarrying. The more you get into it, the deeper you delve, the more you apply yourself, the more you become involved in connecting to the reality of the world this incredible invisible connection between the community of Israel is lifted up lifted up when you think about that you think wow what a responsibility what a responsibility I have in the way I understand Toysus in the way I get the shakla entire of the Gemara of Sukkah clear because that's going to change the Jewish people. And that's going to change the Jewish people fundamentally and eternally. Sure. You can go out and you create shields around them. Band-aids, it's all band-aids. You want to change the source, the reality. If you really care, you really care about them, that's what you care about. Not just the boss of a dom. So when you see that, it transforms what you're doing in Yeshiva. You think, oh, I'm like improving my learning skills. Making sure that I can teach my kids Torah. Oh, shkayach. Ha ha ha. So selfish. So small. It's grand. It's huge. Think about it. How many Balei Tshuva are there out of the 13 million Jews that come to learn in Yeshiva every year? Aish. Or Samach, Chappelle's, Machen Yaakov, Machen Shem, all of them, all of them together. Out of 13 million Jews, what kind of percentage are we talking about? Less than 1,000. Say about 50 people? Mm-hmm. 50! 50! People coming to Yeshiva in Israel from the Jewish population. How many will come? 50. In total, about 250. That means first, second, third, fourth years. That's what we've got. Whoa, that's amazing. And there's some people say, yeah, but I've got to go get it. I should become a lawyer. 
Join the army, become a doctor. <coughs> insane? <coughs> Are you properly insane? Are you properly out of your brains? Someone gave you the opportunity to have an impact which is beyond belief. And you say, oh, no, but you know what I'm saying? I've got to go and make tea. Someone puts you in a treasure house and you say, oh, I'd love to stay, but don't you understand? You know what I'm saying? I want, I want to go and sweep the streets. Maybe I'll find some scraps of garbage there. Ah, you never know. I may find tenagurot. So you'd be like walking around in this treasure, like huge. Like, you're in the control rooms and you say, oh, I'd rather not be out. Give me a broom. Insane. I understand. I don't understand it. The people, the people that had the merit. Of course, Boko said, picture out, hand selectors, and I'm putting you here. But I'm giving you a choice. How do you use opportunity? You always got a choice. How do you use that opportunity? How do you use the opportunity? What do you do? Just like say, oh no, there's, there's, more, there's more pressing things. There's more pressing things than what? Than what? The survival of the Jewish people? What's more pressing? Now, what's more pressing? What's, uh, what's more pressing is my career. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Do you know how bad it looks on your resume if you take off an extra year? Come on, guys, let's get things straight. What's important? What's not important? What's important is my career. What's not important is the survival of Jewish people. Let's only get straight. So tell me, what religion do you belong to? I belong to consumerism. I'm a consumerist dick. Oh, okay, that's amazing. Amazing. New religion? Yeah, that's quite widespread. But what about Judaism? No, Judaism is important. It's a hobby. Everyone's got to have a hobby. So I'm saying you have to have something to do on Saturdays. I'm bored by golf. Challenge better. <laughs> I understand. How does it work? So how, does that, how does that work? How does that work? What, what is it? We need to go and do what all the other Jews are doing so that the core, the source, the Sheresh should be further diluted. Do you know that makes sense to you? Tuvia. So with regards to what you're saying about like how you should be invested in saving the Jewish people, it makes sense to me. But the thing that's kind of, I guess, coming from a Baltruva background, Baltruvish background, is to say, you know, when you come to Israel that you're just going to drop everything that you have uh, back at home seems a very, like a very extreme... Why do you look at it that way? Why don't you look at it as you're here now and you're dropping everything here to go there? Who's dropping what and when? You're dropping eternity, call Israel, to go back. Who's dropping what and when you're dropping it? You don't have to necessarily drop eternal because you're eternity. You can become a part-time. You'd be a part-time rescue worker. Like you do it in your spare time. That's an issue of priorities. And so what you say to yourself is, I'll go back, and when I go back, I'll also learn. Right? (laughs) So, okay, let's think about this. When I go back, I'll also learn. Yeah? Ideal case scenario, really devoted person. You go back, and now you're living in Thornhill, and Baruch Hashem, Thornhill's an expensive neighborhood, so you've got to get the money for... I'm not saying you're living in Thornhill, I'm saying not you, Khalila. You're living in Thornhill. So you've got to make the money to live in Thornhill, and also you've got to put your kids through school. And you've got to, so you can't get away with working like an... Anyway, there's no such thing as an eight-hour day anymore, right? So, okay, so you have to, you have to get to work at like 830 so one second, wait, stay with me, okay. stay with me. So you have to dive in at 6.30. Yeah. And then you have to get onto transport and get there. And get there. So, so, you, so one second. So you say, do you know what? I'm going to wake up at 6 so I can get 20 minutes of learning in before Shachis. Right. Then you go to the office and you slam it, right? 8.30 till 7. Normal working days in a normal commercial corporate job, right? 7, you come home and you say, don't worry, I'm going to learn at night. You get home, but then you realize there's a wife. 
She's related to you through marriage. <laughs> so, okay, so you, you, you know, you have, <coughs> you have supper with your wife, you spend some time with your kids. And by this time, like, it's 9.30, and now you're going to go learn. Right, you were up at 6 o'clock this morning, you haven't taken a breath, and now you're going to learn. So what do you do? So you go off to learn. Yeah, I'm going to pump it away for one half hours. 9.35, what are you? Flat, fast asleep. Right? And then you say, no, no, John, I'm going to go. And then you, you have to find the share that's entertaining enough because there's enough banter in it to keep you awake until like 10.30. And then you go home and you collapse. and Same again, same again, same again. And then Baruch Hashem for Shabbos because then you can sleep 24 hours. <laughs> Whoa! And that's how you're going to save the Jewish people. Yeah. Well, amazing, amazing. You save the Jewish people. The truth is, you may be saving the Jewish people, but look at the bank account. It's growing. Look at the house. It's got a yard. Look at the basement. It's big and wide. What about the Jewish people? What about the Jewish people? What about the Jewish people? You don't hear the issue. If you heard the issue, if you heard the issue, if you felt the issue, you would never, ever, ever, ever even ask the question. You would let the issue sink, sink deep into your bones, and you'd let it sink deep into your bones, and you wouldn't have a question. You'd say, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm in the midst of tragedy. I'm in the midst of a tragedy. I look around me, and people are falling left right and center. Ask anyone in this room about how many people they know that are intermarrying right now the second. How many people? How many people do they know? We're in the middle of the Jewish people disappearing. And you say, I understand Rabbi, but don't you think there's more important things to do like kind of get my panasa straight? There's more important things to do. So we're our priorities. So you come in front of our Kodesh Bukha Rosh Hashanah and you say, let's get this straight, okay? Let's talk salaries. Let's talk health, wealth. And then, you know, colleagues are on you and God and all that stuff. But <laughs> come on, let's get this straight. Who are you? Who are you, God? You're my servant. Because I believe in God. And I need, know that everything comes from God. So here you go, God, give me everything I want. Give me everything I want. So God says to you, one second, who's the master, who's the servant? So you go, I'm the master, you're the servant. But just think about how amazing that is. Because I believe in you. I think you're an amazing servant. You're supernatural. You can give me everything I want. But just let's not forget. Who am I and who are you? I'm the center of the universe and you're there to serve me. Good, we just got to make our priorities right. Insane. Not so normal. Why? 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 Only why? So what would you suggest that someone does it? Everyone has to honor their responsible Jewish people. Do you know what? Listen to this. In Israel, every single person is liable for the draft. Males for sure. Even females. And it's been three years. Three years protecting the body of the Jewish people. Imagine you've spent three years protecting the essence of the Jewish people. Imagine. That would be transformational. That would be transformational. So if a person, if it's high on this, for sure, at least, so you can get a little bit of, at least, I agree, I'm also aware that there's a world, and I also agree that people have to survive, and I also agree that there's other things. But why isn't that a burning question in every Jew's mind? Hashem put you in this place. He did something miraculous to get you. I'll bring you a proof. The other 13 million are not here. So think about how much, by the way, in terms of the curve machine, every single person here that went through any kind of curve machine, the donors have invested over $100,000 in getting you here. That's how much it costs to make one person from. At least $100,000. It's worth it. $100,000. So, well, $100,000, and then, like, you turn up your shoe for two months, and then you can, like, barely connect to anything of the wisdom of training. So, okay, done my duty. Went to Yeshiva. There you go. Can move on with my life. Got on a belt. So, tell me, like, would you be happy with, like, a BA that was one year? Ah, got my BA degree, top university. I got a BA in one year. That's absurd. 
Right? Imagine the examiner says, so tell me, what are your qualifications? So this is what's translated. I was in Yeshiva for years. Do you know what that means? That means, hi, I was in a remedial school for a minimal amount of time. Whoa, that's, a, that's an impressive credential. Like, which remedial school? Or Samach. It's like a school for people who don't have it. Let's get it straight. No, let's, let's be real. This is for people who don't know how to do it. This is not a real Yeshiva? Well done. <laughs> Excellent. So we're not getting anything for being here? Hey? We're not getting anything for being here? Two disconnected statements. Sure. This is not a real yeshiva. Right. You're getting huge amounts of being here. Okay? Great food. Hey? Great food. <laughs> Free accommodation. Average yeah. lessons. Great. Something? Average lessons. <laughs> well, if it's worth it for the free accommodation, the good food. Mediocre banter. Very mediocre. Especially the last one. Two minutes. So, where are we? Where are we? So come to Russia and we have to like, rethink our priorities. We have to rethink our priorities. And of course, then the voice comes, no, it's not realistic. Realistic is a function of what your priorities are. It's amazing how realistic things become when they're important. It's amazing. When something's important, like, it's amazing how realistic it becomes. It's amazing. When it's not important, it's amazing how not realistic it is. So it's just a question of priorities. Where are priorities? Do we care about what we're meant to care about? Or do we care about ourselves and our own selfish interests? Let it sink in. Let it sink. You cannot speak. You cannot speak. You cannot speak. Just let it sink in. Let it sink in. Let it sink in. Tuvia, I'm not saying that I'm oversimplifying it or I'm not oversimplifying it. If you respond on the spot, it means that you're unwilling to change your idea about what you think about life. You're unwilling to change your idea about what you think about life. You already in your head have a plan set up and I'm giving you information which is challenging it. The normal person is going to say, no, 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 yeah, this is a justification, justification, there you go. I'm okay. One second. A person that, I'm not saying that the end result will be for every single person in this room that they'll then end up standing spending the five required years in yeshiva. I'm not saying five requirements. <laughs> no, isn't, isn't there a requirement how much BA plus... Before, but, uh, but when you're talking about the eternal wisdom, <laughs> give an extra year. Eternal wisdom. Been around for 2,000 years, given by God. Give you the extra year. Does being here, does being here count? Or is it five years? First year, I'll give this year as your first year. How's that? Well, actually, what Even though it's remedial, we won't consider wait, this wait as I pre. What did, you know I'm saying? what did I do last year? Good question. We won't consider <laughs> this. We won't go, we won't, we'll actually count this as well. Okay, how's that? Very good mood. We'll count this as year one. How's that sound? Year one, another four years to get you like your basic, basic degree. No? Isn't that like rational? Isn't it rational? That's pretty rational if you ask me. No, no, Rabbi, that's extreme. It's extreme. Why do you take Torah so seriously? So I'm saying, I know that Jews died for the last 2,000 years, but I'm saying maybe they took a turn they were going way too far. We know we put a gun to and say, Are you Jewish? If you say you're Jewish, you'll die. What will you say? What will you say? Say like this, bow down, bow down to the idol. No, I'm not going to bow down. That means the most important thing of all of us in our lives, if we're willing to give up a life, is this. So I understand, why aren't we living according to our own true inner beliefs? That's the bizarre thing. That's a big question. That's a bizarre, it's our own belief. It's not someone else's belief. It's not me telling you this. It's your own belief. You'll give up your life for it. So why don't you give up your life for it? <laughs> You'll give up your life for it, so why don't you give up your life for it? Simple question. You'll, once they start working their logic, you'll give up your life for it. Someone comes to you today, and they say, okay, you do that, or I'll kill you. Give up your Judaism, I'll kill you. And we say, no, that's a life or death, give up my Judaism. Okay, that's what I'm asking you to do. What do you want me to do? Take out a gun? 
Oh, it's easier when you get expiration with life. Because it's a one-off decision. One -off decision. <laughs> it's, like, it's, 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 it's like saying, if I torture you, if I kill you, which one are you going to be willing to do? Ah, yeah. There we go. Moshe's perspectivism. Torture, death. No, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm joking, I'm joking. So, gentlemen, that's something. It's these bonus, these bonus that we have coming up to Rosh Hashanah. I'm saying it, Keila, it's your problem. <laughs> it's my problem. It's not your problem. It's my problem. My problem, what am I doing with my life? What am I doing with my life? Apart <laughs> from like high quality banter on occasions. What am I doing with my life? What am I doing with my life? What am I doing with myself? It's pathetic. It's pathetic. Well, I'm using my koichas. Don't be stupid. It's a big problem. It's a big, big problem. It's a big, big problem that I'm suffering.